Hi everyone, this is Beautiful Minds and my name is Martin. My guest today is Francesca Martinez. Francesca, you're a certified Onnit Academy coach and an animal flow instructor. You've recently launched your amazing bodyweight program, which I can't wait to talk more about. And yeah, I mean, we've got a lot to get through today. First of all, how are you? Good, thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. Welcome, welcome. So we've got business, we've got social media, we've got fitness, your journey, lots to talk about today. How is it all going, first of all? Everything's good. Um, yeah. You know, it's always just a balancing act of making sure you're working hard, but not, you know, killing yourself. Yeah, it's been tough here with the winter and your posts have been really motivating me, actually. I've been uh, to the gym the last couple of days working hard. Awesome. Yeah. Been focusing on mobility too? Yeah, definitely. Uh, animal flow movements, which uh, I'd love to talk more about, actually. Sweet, let's do uh, it. Cool. So... Let's start first with your background and how you got into the fitness and the Insta fame leading up to that. What, what, what kind of went from, I mean, you mentioned before that you went to dancing. Yeah. So um, into, yeah. I was always pretty active growing up. Um, my mom always put me in different sports to kind of see what I liked best. And then I started out um, dancing for a while and I stuck with dance for a while up until um I actually went to a high school just specifically, um, well, it was actually a magnet school. So some of the students went for like an art or like a, you know, a skill that they were trying to develop. Mm -hmm. um, so I did dance for a little bit and then we would dance every day for two hours at 7.30 in the morning. And after like a year and a half of this, I was like, I love dance, but you know, not so much that I want to do it two hours every day. Um, so slowly I just started like, you know, exploring different types of um other types of movement for the most part because I wasn't really into exercising at that point it was just for like hobbies and did you have um, siblings so, no I no. didn't have a little brother up until I was tw uh well yeah he came along when I was 13 so he's okay. 13 years younger than I am okay so there's no one really in the house that you could kind of play with do sports um exactly yeah okay. yeah so I always kind of you know went to like an extra curricular hobby um to kind of you know find that balance with everything um, so yeah, after a couple of years of just trying to bounce around from hobbies, like I went from break dancing to roller skating to cycling, and then I got into college and I was like, okay, I'm an active person, but I'm starting to gain weight. So I was like, okay, I maybe see. I should weight lift. Um, cause like, I didn't want to clean up my diet. I was like, that's not an option for me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, after that, I just got, um, more, um, formal training in exercise sports science actually got like a minor in it um, and yeah after that I uh, ended up finding a <laughs> this is funny this is where the story kind of takes a like a little divot okay um, but I actually got a office job because I graduated school I needed income I was like okay I can't move in back with my family uh, I need to you know be independent so I got an office job and with that office job I was so depressed that I actually stopped moving and I stopped working out the only thing I would do was like just a little bit of yoga and to me that was like nothing you okay. know um so I got super depressed and I was like what am I doing with my life and then my aunt who's really close to me she actually in that time it was like kind of getting close to like me being at that job for seven months and she actually had a near-death experience with um, a high-risk pregnancy that she had. Okay. And it was, like, really bad. Like, she legitimately almost died. Wow. And um, I, you know, she, especially since she's really, she's always been, like, a sister-mother figure to me. We're all really, really close. 
um, for sure consider her one of my best friends. So that really shook me. I was like, what am I doing with my life? I was like, if she would have died, like, I'm sure my life wouldn't have gotten any better because I'm not living my life to the fullest. You know, I have no purpose. Um, you know, whatever I'm doing nine to five is bringing me zero joy. Um, so that's kind of how I just decided to just, you know, take my life experience of being a mover and, you know, trying to always to trying to get into more corrective movement. Cause I realized that was kind of the trend of me wanting to get into more formal training, um, in so the that, university. So just put some dates on when all this happened, because I know Instagram currently and social media in general plays a key part in what you do. Okay. And for anyone who's listening that doesn't know Francesca Martinez, um, you need to follow her on Francesca fit and you'll see plenty of uh, what she does. But, um, what year did you start college and what year did you graduate and what so year did you yeah school in 2011 11, and then okay. I graduated in 2015 so okay. it was really funny I started that office job literally like four days after I graduated in 2015 wow. <laughs> so a year later in 2016 was when I decided like I'm gonna make the full professional shift and um, just chase it. And it was funny because even at the office job in 2015, like I was everyone's like go-to like fitness guru and like their, you know, nutritional guru. Um, so that was an interesting experience because I was actually like coaching some of my coworkers through some of, like I remember one of my coworkers had like a, like an old hernia surgery like mm-hmm. that they got fixed up and that like bothered them for years. So like that was a very specific type of training protocol where like, all right, let's figure out what movement we can do and what, um, you know, how we can scale it and make it a little bit more intense. So you can reach your goals without <laughs> irritating your hernia, uh, which was a super big challenge, but he's lost so much weight and I'm super proud of him. Um, and I'm a little bit of a rancher, but yeah, even in that, fin- in that fitness, uh, sorry, in the office job, I was still kind of like realizing oh, wow, like fitness is truly my passion. So that truly, really helped me as well. That's incredible. And when you were at college, did you coach other people? Was that ever something that you considered? Um, I actually never thought of it professionally, but it was funny the way we had like our friend group set up. Like it was all of us kind of coaching each other. And um, I remember I was always kind of the one like, all right, let's try this thing new. Let's go on, you know, like a... uh, we did like an obstacle course, like training program for a couple of weeks, maybe like eight weeks or something. I was like, all right, let's start doing, you know, something different. And then we all got into like uh, flag football together. So we had a really awesome team where we would all kind of coach each other and teach each other what we were good at and you know, try to learn from each other as well. And you were mainly experimenting with weights and weightlifting because you didn't want to compromise on the diet. But at any point, did you kind of come across this animal flow movement that you're currently focusing a lot on? Um, I didn't come across animal flow until I decided um, to dive in professionally in 2016. But um, I did do a lot of functional stuff still, even though I did weight lift. Um, While I was in university, I still rollerbladed a lot. I was a runner. I was into cycling. I took up obstacle course um, races and like the training for that. And even with that, they had us doing like a lot of body weight stuff. So that's why I really ended up, I never really did many, more obstacle courses after my first one um but i still stayed uh in the training i would still do more of that like unconventional um like rucksack type of stuff with like sandbags and just doing a lot more dynamic jumping because that's really great for the obstacle course trainings um, i know i know you do a really that- cool body weight course um 
and I don't know if that's something that you started with in college or is that something a bit newer um so I actually released that last year okay yeah so the bodyweight course was created and released last year so that does include a lot more of like the functional primal animal flow um type of movements but I mean I think especially going back to like how I was moving in college like it's a super seamless transition into the animal flow because in high school, I was still doing like modern dance and break dancing, yeah. you know, and modern dance and break dancing are both very similar mm. um, in style to animal flow. Interesting. And yeah. I know the way you brand functional movement and training is slightly different to everyone else because you put in capital letters F-U-N for fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, I'm glad so, you caught that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I work in marketing and brands, so uh, all these things kind of stand out to me. Um, but what, I mean, how do you go about branding functional movement and how do you think functional movement in general has changed since you started in 2016 um, to now? Because, you know, it's been three years and the social media dynamics tend to be fast paced. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, functional movement's been around for a while, but I think really branding it with the capital fun for functional, um, it kind of just hit me one day. Um, I realized like, yeah, me and my, um, because before I actually like quote unquote got like Insta famous or got a lot of followers, um, I really was just starting to just put up stuff that I was interested in, stuff that I was learning and practicing. And I realized like, wow, there's a whole niche and a whole community of other movers, um, that are very passionate as well. Um, so seeing that all of us kind of had very similar styles, I realized if, um, are you familiar with the, uh, who Marcus Philly is? He's a CrossFit athlete. Yes, here yes. In, uh, he's won some awards, yeah, doesn't he? Yes, he's really badass. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, in San Francisco. So like Marcus Philly has the body, ah, I'm gonna chop up his uh, brand, but it's a uh, functional bodybuilding. That's what it is. You know, so like in the functional movement realm, there's so many different types of what is functional. And I think it's just agreed upon that functional is, you know, something that is conducive to your biomechanics, you know, moving with respect to your biomechanics and how we're designed to move, you know? Um, But I think the capital fun, like I just had an epiphany moment. I was like, wow, people are coming to me, not just because they want, you know, not because they even know what functional movement is, or they want functional movement. Like they really just want to have fun. Like a lot of people are just realizing that, okay, training, exercise, movement, whatever you want to do, it doesn't have to be so serious, you know, like, yeah. if you want to be an Olympic weightlifter, okay, maybe that path is going to be a little bit more regimented and more serious. But if you just want to be healthy, like you really don't have to stress about it, you know, like just do whatever feels good to your body. So I think that's when I had that epiphany of like, I think what my take on functional movements just a little bit different, um, you know, because I'm still respecting biomechanics, I still want to move in a way that's safe and, you know, conducive to moving better. Um, but my biggest thing is I want people to stick with it because they're enjoying it, you know, cause yeah. the biggest thing that I see is, um, people have a hard time with consistency and that's consistency is always key to anything, you know? So if you don't have that element of consistency and like having a connection to your training through whether it's fun or another way, um, you know, you're going to have a disconnect and you're not going to reach your goals. You know, I've spoken to so many people on this podcast so far, and I'm going to speak to many more and the two words that keep reoccurring are consistency and habits and and it's funny how your branding and again being a marketer this is really interesting for me how your branding has somehow managed to 
you know capture the element of habits and consistency so well because like you said once something becomes attractive once it becomes fun then it becomes Mm -hmm. you know the habit then you start doing it then it becomes consistent um and I think you know that's the same for a lot of things I know you 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 talk a lot about uh, nutrition and I know you collaborate with a lot of other people but how important is it you know for your results like do you feel like your results are better now than they were before based on the fact that you enjoy it whereas before it was more of a oh I've got a point to prove I've got to lose the weight I've got to you know change my ways etc like what was the transition in that sense Oh, a thousand percent. Um, yeah. If I just flash back to two years ago, what my mindset was like, I still had a pretty, you know, decent framework, but my thing was always like, I just need to go harder and harder and get better and go heavier and, you know, do more snatches and do more, whatever it is. And then I got to the point that more wasn't helping me more was actually like destroying my body and it was causing more injuries, more pain. Um, and it was starting to affect my mental aspect, um, the physical aspect. Like I felt so heavy physically and so like bombarded physically that I felt like I had no space to think. Um, so yeah, <laughs> a thousand percent complete Amazing. like night and day. Um, and then now, like, I really don't even focus on going harder and heavier. Like to me, that is something that is just going to be like inevitable through consistency and through balance and through making sure that. Uh, just as hard as I'm training, I need to be recovering harder. Um, that's huge, 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 like perspective and paradigm shift on my um, on my own part. I want to talk a bit about the community that you've built and the community, especially at Onit where you work. Um, how has that evolved, and how did you get into Onit in the first place? Um, so as of right now, I'm just like a I'm on the sub list at Onit, and probably in the next month I'll be finally taking on my own class and having that on the schedule. So it's been a really like slow process and mo- more so on both of our parts. Um, mm. I think organically for on it, um, it's worked out for me to be on the sub list for a little bit, just because they've been going through a lot of internal changes, like a structure wise. And so have I, so I've been yeah. going through like so many changes structure wise that I think, you know, after two years of being in Austin right now is like the perfect time for both of us to start collaborating and working together. Um, but I got into on it actually um, through my uncle. So okay. when I, decided to leave that office job and um, go into getting like my certifications. Um, I first went through NASM and he was like, NASM's great. NASM's, you know, awesome. Like tip of the iceberg. He's like, if you really want to dive deeper, you should go check out the Onnit Academy. So he uh, referred me to this gym to go uh, internet that actually did the Onnit education system. So they would have coaches come from Austin and go teach workshops and certifications over there. Um, so that's how I got into it. And then um, that was already like three, four-ish years ago. So around that time, um, yeah, I was just doing my first uh, on it certification was a steel mace. So uh, Isik Milan came over. He used to be um, one of the steel mace coaches. He's still a steel mace coach, just not with on it anymore. But he came on over um, and I had my first certification with them. And I was like, wow, like whatever they're doing I like it and I need to learn more of this. You know, it was just so eye-opening and just so different. Um, And it was like very like introspective into the body. That's what I really liked about it. So then after that, I ended up through my uncle again. (laughs) My uncle's just like my little, uh, like he's like my fairy godfather. (laughs) (laughs) So my uncle introduced me to Eric, uh, my boyfriend, and he's uh, one of the Onyx kettlebell coaches. Okay. Um, so we met and then flash forward many months, I ended up moving to Austin 
And then um, actually before I even moved to Austin, I ended up working with Eric alongside um, coach John Wolf and our friend Jenna Mays. And we did uh, the first on it six bodyweight program. So I don't know if you've heard of the on it six, but it's an online um, follow along. It's a kind of like P90X, but on it style. So, you know, the coaches are there, you have different um, like hero athletes, you know, you have like a beginner, intermediate, advanced level. Um, yeah, that's kind of kind of how everything just organically started, you know, coming about. I did that with um, John Wolf and Eric. That was actually 2018. Yeah, that was January. Or actually we filmed it in December, I think. I don't remember anymore. But it was either like December or January, um, two years ago. And yeah, and now it's kind of history. And then slowly, you know, I've been working on more projects with Onnit and helping them with stuff and um, vice versa, you know. Um, they're awesome and always give me space to, you know, film in the gym. So it's a great relationship that we've been building for sure. Yeah, that's um, going to be one of my other questions, actually. With um, Onnit and their policy on you filming, I know Eric, um, for those of, you know, those of you listening who don't know Eric uh, Leica, he's, uh, he's an expert on kettlebell techniques and definitely recommend following him as well. Um, they give you a lot of time and space, don't they, for collaborations and filming. Is that something that's part of their overall growth strategy for their coaches and for themselves? Or is that something which you think just, you know, they're quite relaxed about it? Um, I think it kind of just ended up happening organically as well. Um, okay. Because I know when on, um, when on it first started their training program, because they started off as a supplement company, and then they were selling um, all the tools, all the unconventional oh, tools. Okay. So they started off with the subs and then I guess Aubrey would really, Aubrey's vision was always being really holistic and, you know, well-rounded. So just lifestyle in general, fitness, health, wellness. Yeah. Um, and then I guess they started doing the kettlebells and then Aubrey had an idea and he's like, oh, we should have, um, and this is my story that Eric tells me. So if it's botched, it's botched. <laughs> but Aubrey was like, oh man, we should teach people how to use these tools. We should have like an education system and like a gym, you know, that'll be awesome. Um, and it, it all makes sense to me because Aubrey is a great thinker. Aubrey has amazing ideas. Um, so they were like, wait, like, don't we already, they had um, a, like a, I don't remember where the gym was, but they had like a little garage gym that Eric's brother would train Aubrey and a whole bunch of people out of. So I guess they all just kind of uh, connected the dots and realized, oh, wait, we want a gym. We want trainers. We kind of already have everything. We just need to make a facility. So, um, yeah, they created the facility. And then um, once they hired on the coaches, they're like, hey, you guys need to start marketing yourselves and, you know, creating content and um, putting your content out there. So Eric was for sure one of the first people that really got big recognition um, for doing that. Um, amazing through the instagram and on that it just started like very like grassroots you know just promote yourself record stuff and you know put it out there into the internet yeah i definitely think on its branding is centered around i, I don't want to use the word primal i know eric with <laughs> <laughs> the word primal like all these tools steel maces kettlebells yeah. almost like kind of this rusty edge to it that you know fitness doesn't have to be perfect and spotless like in all the nike and under arm adverts you know it's you know going back to the basics sometimes you know like the arnold's you know mm -hmm. classic style gyms i think it has that kind of element to it but now it's Absolutely. got this fresh and modern feel to it with with functional movements and animal flow and um you know yoga style training it's all very fascinating um mm -hmm. and i'd love to see if it picks up more and if there's new techniques coming out um 
always seems to be new techniques. <laughs> yeah, I mean, their whole thing is um, what I really like about the Onnit system is like when you really break everything down and take away the tools, like it's really all just the same movement. You know, you're respecting you're respecting the body and um, you know just going through the functional ranges. So rotating where we're allowed to rotate, you know, being more stable in ranges where we should respect, you know, body's integrity and have more stability. Um, yeah. That's what I really love about all the conventional tools because really all the movements are the same, really. You know, like what, a, like a, a 360 with a steel mace, you know, where you're swinging the steel mace around your head and bring it back. That's the same thing as like a halo with a kettlebell. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing as a club of pullovers. So all of them are just going to look a little bit different because you have a you know different stimulus, a different tool, um, you know different ways to hold the weights. But really, like biomechanically, they're all the same. So that's what I really love about it. Once you take away everything and just take a deep look, it's just like we're just moving. So it's but beautiful. does the difference in distribution of weight across the tool or apparatus does that not affect the movement? No, yeah, mechanically or absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely does. Um, so it'll just give you, you know, a different effect, a different stimulus um, mm. to make your body adapt in a different way. Interesting. Mm. And, you know, you mentioned about it all being the same movement. And the other day I was talking to Staz. He's, he's obviously not here right now. But we we're talking about a lot of these fitness coaches and people on Instagram. They're, we feel like they're under pressure these days to kind of come up with new uh, undiscovered exercises as if it's almost like a race to be first you know, to release this exercise or this movement because it hasn't been thought of before, you know, eventually you guys are going to run out of movements. And <laughs> <laughs> So what do you do then? I mean, like it, it, it's a, it's an interesting thought. I don't know. It's just something we talked about. No, yeah, I think it's super funny. Um, yeah. I, I know sometimes I'll come across some accounts then you could just, I mean, I, I love creativity. I'm all for creativity, especially if you've seen my Instagram, you know, I'm not, yeah, yeah, um, you know, putting creativity down but sometimes you'll see some stuff and you're like wow this person really tried to pull like the bag out of the hat this time (laughs) (laughs) yeah together like 50 combinations i'm like i don't think anyone's gonna get to you know sequence number 50 (laughs) yeah no i get it um i think sometimes it can be a bit dangerous too because you're trying something which hasn't been thought of for a reason (laughs) um i know i saw someone the other day like doing um a squat on a bozu ball and I was thinking, well, one millimeter of movement and that guy's going flat on his face. <laughs> it's like daring people to compete. Um, that's quite funny. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned that college you did, you weren't a big fan of discipline, nutrition. But now I've read your article about intermittent fasting. I know you and Eric used to post a lot of cool foods on your Instagram. <laughs> that's something you still like how do you view nutrition now um so i really just view nutrition as um something that needs to you know find balance as well um in between having fuel for your body and fuel for your performance and making sure that all your macronutrients are balanced and then on the other part you know a lot of people some people don't enjoy food as much but um a lot of people it's obvious you know a lot of people really do enjoy food and they enjoy eating out so i think it's really just trying to find that balance in between of making sure that you're getting anything everything that your body needs um and that you're not necessarily like restricting and depleting yourself from what you want either um because then that just leads people to being sad and then you end up binging and then you're back to square one anyway so would you say you're not that strict 
as no i'm not okay yeah it's like people online sometimes they want my nutrition coaching and i'm like i don't know maybe you should go ask a professional in that <laughs> I'm like yeah. staying in my lane thank you yeah actually that's a good point so when it comes to professionalism you have to have all these certificates and etc etc but how how monitored is this i mean especially globally like is there a certificate that applies to everyone globally or is each country oh, no. or it's no. the wild wild west it's the wild wild west okay yeah and that's that's why i prefer to just stay in my lane and do what i'm good at because i see so many and it's good for them too it's good for everyone um fitness professionals that want to go and do more nutrition um you know it's awesome if you want to offer your clients both but me personally i rather focus more on what i'm good at and then outsource when needed to you know i always give my clients very basic tips that can help them um, yeah. But by no standards would I say that I'm a professional in nutrition. Like, for example, okay. today I ate three eggs for breakfast. And then um, they were, like, super great, like, nutritious eggs or local. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, no chemicals or anything. Um, so I ate three eggs. And then I chugged a whole bunch of water. I took a scoop of supplements. Um, and then I ate a taco with beans, nice. potatoes, avocado. And then this is is where it gets tricky i had a poppy seed uh lemon cake <laughs> okay so it's all coming out huh? you didn't put this on instagram did you <laughs> well it no. didn't look cute but sometimes uh, i do sometimes i'll put my treats up um if you follow yeah. me on instagram you know i don't eat very well <laughs> yeah 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 I've, I've seen your um pancakes with uh lots of toppings <laughs> yeah um, no to. i love that though it shows that obviously you still need to be human you still have like you know, need to indulge you need to mm -hmm. work hard for a reason um i think in the past there's been a lot of people posting the typical chicken brown rice broccoli combo 10 times a day <laughs> yeah. think, like and i don't know and part of me always thought that was wrong but i don't know no, and I think a lot of people are just, you know, go through phases too. Because if you followed me back when I was in university, and especially sometimes when I'll go through like one of my, my personal Instagram and I'll like scroll back, I was such a psycho. Like for four years, most of the time I was eating like substitutes for like junk food. So it would be like baked wings and bake this and, you know, like healthy waffles and all of these substituted options. And it really didn't make me happy. So then I would go and then I would binge all this disgusting. And it wasn't even really horrible food, but it was really like the portions for me. Like I was really like pushing the edges of bulimia. Um, so yeah, I was like, wow, like I'm really pushing the envelope of what it is to be, you know, to have issues with bulimia just because I want to eat healthy food all the time. Like this makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, so I was for good. sure there um with this chicken and sweet potato and the brown rice like i don't even eat brown rice anymore because it makes me sad like that's just the type of lifestyle decision i decided <laughs> to make yeah super interesting i think um <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i mean when you when you look at other other instagram accounts you know they try to go down that perfect 360 route whereby they're trying to tick all the boxes but like you said sometimes it's important to stick to your lane Mm -hmm. um, and yeah it's, it's clearly working because i think a lot of people relate to that and they and they want that they want authentic content they want the truth they don't want all the you know scripted things behind the scenes yeah absolutely you know especially too like if you really a lot of i think a lot of people that have you know really been trying to chase their goals for a couple of years are truly trying to like realize and start to come to terms with that there is no magic pill like for anything mm -hmm. 
there's no magic pill. Like if you want to be strong, you got to work hard. If you want to be lean, you got to work hard. Like whatever it is that you want, you have to put effort in it. And like, like we said in the beginning, you know, um, at this point of the year, we're closing out December in 2019. And, you know, my biggest thing is don't go too hard, you know, like stay focused. Like the year is not going to end before you know it. You know, we still have, um, you know, there's still time. So pace yourself, stay consistent. Um, that is the biggest thing for anything, any goal that yeah. you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So I want to move on to now when you train. I know in your content you show that you train barefoot quite a lot. And I was talking yeah. to Perry Nicholson. I think we spoke speaking about this the other day, weren't we? Um, about barefoot training and some of the impacts it may have, some of the benefits. Uh, and it's something that I've been experimenting with a lot as well. And I see a lot of people in the gym now, they're starting to pick it up. Is it something that has truly made a difference for you in terms of your performance? Or is it something oh. that you think is more preventative in terms of injuries? Both. Both, okay. Both. Yeah, I think both for sure. Um, and yeah, I just feel so much better when I take off my shoes. I feel more grounded, more connected. Um, I feel like I get better feedback from my environment. Um, I feel like my reaction time is better as well. Yeah. Just everything levels up. Yeah, it feels like I, I like to tell some of my friends sometimes that they don't understand the barefoot stuff. I'm like, just imagine that you put earmuffs on your feet. And they're like, wow, that makes sense. That is super powerful. <laughs> so it's, Wow. Yeah, it's like you put earmuffs on your feet. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that is wow. And where do you draw the limit? Because I know a lot of people, they do these crazy long-distance runs um, in the oh. world. I mean, is there like an overload on that side? I mean, you know? I think some people, if they've trained for a while, you know, going with minimalist shoes and have transitioned into running barefoot, some people are great at it and they have really strong lower legs. Me personally, I cannot run barefoot for my life. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to take me probably like five years to transition into running barefoot. Like honestly, that's how it feels. Um, but I've also had a lot of issues with, um, so going back to maybe three years ago, I started having Achilles issues. Um, my okay. Achilles started flaring up and I think it was just because I was using shoes that my, my, I think my ankles were slipping out. I don't know what was happening, um, but I just had a lot of stuff going on with shoes. Um, and then I just started getting to the point where I didn't want to train in shoes anymore. So I just okay. started kicking them off. Yeah. So it kind of just started because of my Achilles pain um, de- you know, coming from the shoes. Yeah. Um, so I took off the shoes um, to train and it just, yeah, I never went back. <laughs> no, it's, uh, and actually, I mean, you see it in martial arts you know, most, most martial arts require you to take your shoes off when you enter the training area, the dojang, dojo, mm-hmm. whatever you call it, um, depending on the country, obviously. And, you know, it's the thing you mentioned about being connected to, was it the earth you said, and being, mm-hmm. having that feedback, I think it's important um, to understand your movements because obviously that, that will impact everything, your progress, your reaction times. So it's yeah, super I think too from from like a structural standpoint, like once you actually get better structure of your feet and better in like actually strengthening the intrinsic muscles of your feet, all of that radiates all the way up through your body. Like that is truly the foundation of your body. So if you strengthen that foundation, you'll have you know better ankle health, better knee health, hips. You know, on and you know, forever up into your head. Super interesting. Mm-hmm. Who, who's been your favorite person that you've collaborated with? Bit of a cheeky question, but. 
Oh no, that's a horrible question. Favorite person I have collaborated with. That is so hard. That is a really hard one. Oh, top three. But I feel like you're throwing wrenches in my gears. Like my brain stopped moving. I'm like, oh, <laughs> one ever. Oh man. Because there's been so many good ones, so it's hard for me to choose. I love all of them. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with Eric Leha. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I meant apart from him, obviously. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I was trying to uh, cheat out on that one. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go. All right. If I had to jump in front of a bullet for anybody. Oh no! I meant like. Favorite <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so hard. I can't. I'm gonna go with Hannah Eden. Hannah Eden was like my fangirl moment. Yeah. Hannah Eden for sure. Yeah. And what, what did you? Yeah, I love Hannah Eden. Collaborated with her. She's just a fucking savage. That's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she's just a fucking savage. It's just how she is. She's the real, as real as they get. She's the real deal. Wow. And yeah. um. And if anybody doesn't know who Hannah Eden is, Hannah Eden used to be a CrossFit athlete. She's super tall and tan and ripped and gorgeous and has like fiery red hair. Um, but she is, she's like a, she's an athlete among athletes. She's, she's been around she's, for a while, hasn't she? She's, um, yeah. she's one of the pioneers in this. Yeah, and she's really young. She's only like 29. Yeah, I think the consistency with Hannah has been something that stood out for me quite a lot. Um, absolutely because she's never off her game like Mm-mm. it's almost like like you said she's savage like a machine yeah um, she's fucking savage she's like even from a business point of view it's like hang on does she not take any breaks is this content prepared no. in advance what's going on <laughs> <laughs> yes it was yeah. prepared in advance <laughs> <laughs> um, but no she's like she's like a warrior princess like she will kill somebody with her legs like she can just kick somebody and they'll go fine yeah wow <laughs> Is it, I mean, are you going to do more collabs with her in the future or is it? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're good friends. Um, okay, she was good. awesome. Um, we first met Hannah. Actually, I first like, I introduced myself to Hannah on Instagram maybe like three years ago or okay. eh, a while ago. It's been a while now. Um, but it was like, I had like no followers, you know, and it was like, um, Eric always says it as a thing like joking to me, but you know, like I was very, you know, well-rounded in my niche, you know, like all of us that do the same thing, like we, you end up knowing who each other are, you know, as trainers and coaches. Yeah. Um, yeah. so one of my friends in Miami was like, Oh, you should reach out to this girl, Hannah Eden, you and her do super similar stuff. And I was like, who is that? And then I looked her up and I was like, wow, this girl's insane. And I was like, I need to be friends with her. Yeah. Um, so I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, um, you know, so-and-so told me to reach out to you, you know, hopefully one day we can just kind of connect. Um, and actually in that time I wasn't able to connect with her cause I was moving and it was the holiday season and she lived like 45 minutes away from me. So it wasn't okay. too crazy, but no, you know, yeah. with all the given circumstances, you know, I couldn't get around to it. So she ended up coming over to, um, our workshop that we had in Miami, her and her husband, and they're both super badass. Yeah. yeah. Really I've seen them. They, they train really well together as well. It's a good a good duo. Yeah. He's really good there. He's a badass mover too. Well, he gets the Brazilian like uh, token because yeah. Brazilians are just, all of them are, I don't understand. It's almost like a stamp <laughs> when you're born. Like it's, okay, you're Brazilian, right? You get he's, to do all this cool stuff. <laughs> he's Brazilian. He can move. Yeah. <laughs> well, just generally, I mean yeah. like um, Latin America, they're very well known for their movements, dancing, especially. 
Um, uh-huh. I know you mentioned your background was, was it Colombian, Cuban? Yeah, yeah. so I take the stamp of the Cuban pride because Cubans are badass athletes. Yeah, well, that, that <laughs> plays well into what I'm about to say because when I went to Cuba, the dancing, I mean, incredible. Like the way they move and it's just, it's easier than walking for them. Yeah. yeah. No, it's without, you know, I'm not exaggerating. And then it comes into boxing as well when you look at their footwork, you look at their movement, they're just so natural, so light, very nimble. Yeah. You know, they can beat the other people. Mm-hmm. And given like the politics of like the last half century, for the most part, like, you know, most of the kids probably spend most of their like, you know, childhood barefoot in Cuba. <laughs> and I think that is everything. Like people that spend more time barefoot, they're, how about this? I get offended when people say that like a deep squat is a poor man's squat. And I'm like, that's actually an ergonomic human squat. You're just like privileged and don't know how to use your hips and your body. <laughs> yeah. No, I've never heard that to be honest, but that is, yeah. <laughs> I wow. get it. It's like a cheeky thing people say, but like a part of me is like secretly like offended. <laughs> oh yeah. I think it's, like I said, it's almost like a privilege now to be able to do a deep squat because you spend so long sitting down and not moving properly that your muscles tighten up, they're not flexible, Um, Mm -hmm. hips become weak, your hip flexors become weak. Um, And, you know, Perry was saying this quite rightly, that once you realize the part that's weak and that causes pain in another part of the body, again, this is where the whole healing aspect comes into it and you start chasing the pain rather than where it all starts. And, you know, we just don't understand our bodies as well as we think we do. Absolutely not at all. Um, and I think it's, it's always so interesting because even with some, um, some of my personal clients, like I spend so much time with them, but it's like, no matter how much time I spend with them, like there's always more and it's so <laughs> frustrating. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, why can't I just spend like a month with you every single day for a month, every hour? And wow. then even that won't be enough time. <laughs> yeah, I was talking, you know, that's really fun. I was talking to this coach in Costa Rica. Um, I was taking some time out just to chill and, you know, recharge. And he was telling me, you know, what's the most frustrating thing as a coach? Um, well, it was a physical therapist, that was it. He said, people come to me and they get weirded out when I tell them that I don't want to see them after a month or two months. I want to, that's it. I want to help them heal, fix the issue and they can move on back to their normal lives. But they keep coming back for more. They keep going to surgeries and getting worse. And I think this is, you know, is becoming normal, which is a bit scary to be honest. It is terrifying. I'm like, I don't try to be, I'm not dogmatic about anything, but whenever anyone ever comes up to me and they're like, you know, so-and-so said I need a surgery for this. I'm like, go try every other option in the universe. Yeah. Someone (laughs) cut you open. Cause I'm just, I think part of it too, is I've had a surgery. I had a surgery when I was a kid and I woke up in the middle of the surgery and that just terrified me. And then dealing with the healing afterwards, like they actually, Oh man, I'm going to sound like such a horrible person, but they actually, the surgeons were complete like buffoons. They cut me open in the wrong place and then sutured me up and gave me an extra 17 stitches that I didn't need. And I was like, Oh my God, these buffoons are just cutting me open. And I'm like, Jesus. what is this? Oh my God, so um, <laughs> yeah, I think that part of it is we become desperate. You know, we become so desperate that we really truly believe in doctors and we believe that they want the best for us that we end up believing that that's the best solution when really, you know, I don't think there is a best solution. There are solutions, 
you know, and then just, just, there's just consistency and then there's giving up, you know, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, for sure. Not into having people get cut open. That just breaks my little heart. <laughs> yeah. Well, wouldn't know what Staz would say about that, but uh, I'll pass on the message. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, uh, for sure. Some people a thousand percent need surgeries. Yeah. Um, but yeah. like you said, if it's somebody that's getting another one and another one and another one, you know, there's something, I think as Terry would say, something deeper that, um, you mm. know, is not getting, um, you know, fixed or addressed. Attended. Yeah. yeah mm. Attended to or fixed. Um, and I really do love Terry. I can't wait to meet him one day. So yeah. Put it out there. Go to one of his workshops. Yeah. We can do a, you know, we can, do, we can do a podcast episode where we get you, maybe someone else, Perry. We can have like a huge discussion. Oh, let's do it. Let's make a panel. Yeah. Yeah. A little panel. That'd be cool. Yeah, but honestly, um, I think like you said, and head on a couple of times, you know, there's always more to discover in the body. You know, we never, we always think we know so much and there's always more to learn. Yeah. I mean, I do want to talk about your routine because um, another mm -hmm. thing that I'm starting to discover more about is sleep. Um, so yeah, let's Ooh. talk about your routine and the role that sleep and meal times play in your, yeah, in your daily routine. Ooh. So with meal time, um, I'm not as big on meal time, but right now I'm just trying to hit all three meals. Okay. Um, so I'll wake up, do breakfast, and then dinner is probably maybe just like two to three hours before I go to sleep. Um, but wow, I'm happy you wanted to talk about sleep because I love sleep. Okay, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I've gotten on the Whoop app. So the Whoop app has actually really helped me really dial in that sleep number because for a while I was doing really good at tracking my sleep. But then I realized, you know, just because I say that I'm sleeping from, let's say, let's give it for midnight because midnight's easy. If I'm mm -hmm. sleeping, if I'm sleeping from midnight to nine, I'm technically getting nine hours of sleep. But I woke up in the middle of the night. I tossed and turned a little bit. Mm. You know, I might have used the bathroom. Um, yeah. So that all adds up. And then, like, everybody knows it takes time to get back to sleep once you're disturbed. Um, yeah. So yeah. I love, love using this app because... I've always been good about trying to get, you know, the full nine hours, but now I'm starting to realize like, ah, oh, it's not nine hours. Like if I want nine hours of sleep, I need to spend like nine and a half hours in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> everything yeah. adds up and everything counts, you know, if we're treating ourselves just those 30 minutes, everything adds up. Um, and everyone's different. You know, some people do fantastic on seven hours of sleep. Um, women tend to need a little bit more sleep than men, okay. um, usually around eight to nine hours. So especially since I train and when I do train, I train really, really, really hard. Um, I'm trying, yeah, to get as much as I can. Um, so really trying to stay hydrated um, is one of the biggest things I've been trying to tune into as well. Because I think during the day, a lot of us are good at hydrating. And then kind of once you eat dinner, some of us don't focus on hydrating as much. So some, I realized I was waking up in the middle of the night really thirsty a lot. Okay. <laughs> So that's trying to go in and kind of add like the hydration element into that sleep routine too. How so much I've been water trying do you drink to, a day roughly? Oh, I don't know. Um, so I have, what is this? 32 ounces. Yeah. I have a 32 ounce and I probably drink like four of these a day. So okay. I'm drinking a lot more than I need to, but I still, even though I drink whatever, let's say it's 64 times two, that's like what? 128 ounces of water a day. Let's say I'm drinking from like 100 to 128 ounces. I still don't feel like truly hydrated. So I kind of um, 
Wow. I think the next step is going to be like looking more into like electrolyte balance. Okay. Um, just to kind of pull everything in with the sleep aspect, just to make sure, you know, that um, I'm really hydrated during the night because I was thinking about it. It's like, all right, cool. We're sleeping nine hours, but I'm like, if I'm half dehydrated, you know, if I'm not as hydrated as I need to be, you're not getting that recovery. Um, so you drink 128 ounces a day, yeah, roughly? About, about, yeah. Because that, that, you know, if my maths isn't wrong, that's about, what, three and a half liters, um, which is a lot <laughs> for me at least uh, maybe I need to start drinking more but yeah then like you said electrolytes play a big part and you know mm-hmm. I, like, I like to think I keep that balance especially when I train I have my little go-to combination with lemon yeah what do you take for electrolytes no, I actually make my homemade one um uh, one, one of the coaches at the gym recommended it it was um a combination it sounds grim but it's a combination of uh, a lemon a lime a maple syrup and just a slight pinch of sea salt Oh. And I mix that in with about, uh, I think my bottle holds 750 mil, which when I get halfway down, I refill it with fresh water to make it last longer. And then I go through that in uh, one training session. Oh, nice. Which one liter, let's do the maths. Um, so it's an entire lemon or just a little bit of juice? Uh, it's, yeah, and it, I squeeze an entire lemon and one lime. Oh. So it's the yellow and the green one. I'm not sure if it's in the States it's mixed around. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I do. So um, it works out to be about, what was it you said in ounces? Um, 28? No, th- yeah, about 35 ounces, 32 ounces. What was it you said before? Okay. Oh, uh, 128 was that? No, oh, diff- sorry. 30. Just the serving? Yeah, yeah, 32. Yeah, okay. so it's about 32, 35 ounces that's kind of what i take into the gym oh that's that, not bad that's yeah. just four of those then yeah so I, that's my electrolyte for when i train so i can get it replaced as soon as possible but then throughout the day i love drinking sparkling water not sure what your thoughts are on that if the carbon inside the water is is good or not <laughs> i don't know about that one um no. i'll say everything in balance right everything okay. in moderation cool sweet <laughs> So wait, you're not drinking four of your water bottles a day? Um, I drink about, I drink about um, 65, 68 ounces a day. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. That's Which that is literally half of what you do though. So I'm a bit, a bit worried I need to start. But I drink a lot of coffee. So I think oh, okay. a lot of it is me trying to balance out how much coffee I drink. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you knew, but caffeine is very potent. It's got like a half-life of about five to seven hours. So if you like, let's say you drink coffee at five o'clock, you know, by, what is it, 10.30, you'll have half of that caffeine still in your body. So oh, wow. it's something I discovered a few years ago because my mom went into coffee. So I started doing a lot of research on it. Like, why is she acting so weird? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, so it's um, it, it's something that I try to avoid. Only maybe a little small espresso after lunch. Yeah, and, and um, especially with um, trying to optimize the sleep, like definitely not having a coffee after 3 p.m. at all. Yeah. <laughs> 3 p.m. is like way too late. What, what time do you wake up then? Um, I usually wake up around 7.30. Okay, fair. Mm-hmm. And then do you have like a morning routine that you do? Like any exercise or certain type of smoothie you drink? No. 
Okay. The first thing I usually try to do, I and this is going to be horrible, um, but if anyone's listened to any of my podcasts before, I've admitted it. So um, first step is acceptance. So mm-hmm. I, the first thing I do in the morning is I post. Um, I post to Instagram. Yeah. Yep. First okay. thing. Cool. Yep. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I, I think for me, it's like a... When you said it's going to sound horrible, I thought it was going to be something way worse than no, that. No, <laughs> but I don't, I really don't, I don't want anybody to copy that or anybody to emulate that or think that's a good idea because if I could live my ideal life, I would wake up first thing in the morning, I would get movement in and not touch a screen. Um, but like my bowels get moving very quickly in the morning and that's my wake up call. So I just end up like being idle on my phone for a little bit. Cool, cool. <laughs> so so I'm sitting on my squatty potty. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> like Fair that enough. is my alarm clock. I'm like, my stomach said, get up. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. What's honestly, your... Sorry, go on. No, go on. Um, so I was just going to joke and say that I told that to my friends a couple of days ago, maybe like two weeks ago. And they were like, wait, you're that regular that you have to wake up and use the restroom? And I'm like, yeah, like I have to, I can't like pass it off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. So being regular is important, everybody. Okay. You got to make sure that's, you know, part of your schedule. <laughs> I can just hear everyone around listening to this scribbling on their paper, taking notes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Poop in the morning, got it. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you on that topic of Instagram, though, what's your thoughts about the recent trends in removing likes? Is that even true? Like, they're really going to do that? Uh, yeah, they've done it already in a lot of countries. And a few of my friends uh... in the UK have got it on their phones. So I'm just waiting for mine to activate. <laughs> so what does it show up like? Does it show it... views or nothing? So I think if you have a business account, it will still show you all the analytics you'll still get to see all that but then other people looking at your pictures won't see how many likes you've got so there's no competition as to how many likes you should have or shouldn't have it's all about other types of engagement interesting i guess i won't have an opinion until i see it because i don't know like i really thought up until speaking to you right now that it was just some type of gimmick or something. I don't know. Sometimes they say things and never follow up. Um, so I thought it was one of those. As someone, as someone that works in marketing, I know my opinion is that engagement shouldn't be measured by number of likes. Um, yeah, it shouldn't. Because I think anyone can go around liking a bunch of photos, looking for attention, etc. It doesn't cost a lot of time, if that makes sense. But then uh-huh. you look at other KPIs, such as the sharing button or the bookmark button. How many people have bookmarked your story that they actually want to go back and look at at some point in the future? Or how many people think of your content worthy enough to gain social currency for themselves by sharing it to their friends or community? Th- those things are a bit more powerful as a measure of engagement for me, at least. That's what I tend to advocate in my daily work. Yeah, I don't know. I feel I feel like the like will impact it in some way. I'm not sure if it'll be drastic, but I'm sure it has to have some tor- sort of impact. Yeah, um, I think you're right as well, yeah. Because it's going to be such a shock to the system, right? Uh-huh. And I think sometimes, I don't know. Mm, I'm trying to think of like how we behave when we see that something has a lot of likes. I don't know. I feel like it might not change it at all. It could. I'm so torn right now. Yeah. Going through so many mental loops. <laughs> I'll no let idea. you digest it. Maybe you come up with a thought later. 
Yeah. I really thought like it was just something, I don't know. It's like one of those things around April Fool's when people are like, oh, Facebook's going to put a dislike button or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I thought. Um, But that's so interesting that they're actually testing it in different countries. Um, I think. Are there any any brands that you've worked with that look at your likes and kind of come up with a suggestion based on that? Or do they tend to look different? No, yeah. Um, I'm not aware of anyone that looks at likes just as that mark of a mark of uh, engagement. Um, Anybody that I've ever worked with, they usually focus on like link clicks. Okay. Or like shares or impressions okay yeah so as mm-hmm. i said yeah okay makes sense so when it comes to working with brands what do you tend to look for in them have you ever had to reject a brand or say sorry guys not this time yeah um i honestly don't look i don't actively look for brands to work with mm-hmm. um i just try to stay really grassroots with everything and make sure that if i'm using something and showing it um, to my audience and um, you know giving discount codes that it's always something that I truly believe in and something that I stand by with a hundred percent so with that um, I usually just look for somebody all right like I said I really don't look but if I am going to work with anybody it's usually because I started using their product before I worked with them so for example like the whoop app I actually got on whoop back in February this year and I really liked the app. And the only reason I got off of it was just because I had two fitness bands at that point. Um, okay. And I didn't want to have two fitness bands. <laughs> okay. um, but um, I really like their product. Same thing, um, you know, with Primal Kitchens. I don't really do much work with them, um, but I always, you know, share their stuff and promote them organically um, as I'm using their products. Yeah, because you're a consumer. Yeah, and I don't even, they just send me like a box of goodies. You know, I don't get any monetary or anything that you yeah. know, crazy from them they send That's me like nice. sauces and i love their sauces and i <laughs> use them and i <laughs> so i'm like why not <laughs> um you know other people and especially people i think the biggest thing too it's sometimes some um you know influencers or whatever you like to call it you know people that do have a following uh you know they get hesitant about what they share some people overshare too much you know my thing is like if you actually use it show people what you're using you know like it's not that you're giving away free advertising you know you don't have to think of everything like in a it is like everything every action on instagram every post doesn't always have to come down to like monetary value you know like yeah we're on instagram because we want to share with the world and we want to like see what we're all doing and learn from each other like i realized that my mom didn't know what sauces to buy so why am i not gonna share you know healthy sauces with people (laughs) it's like nonsensical you know that's how Instagram initially started, though. It was about building a community based on genuine content. And that mm-hmm. led to genuine organic engagement. And now mm-hmm. it's really sad to see the figures of, you know, that Instagram's reported engagement, sorry, organic engagement is going down and down and down. Um, mm-hmm. And I find that quite sad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially, too, like being on the platform for almost 10 years now, like, how it's developed and changed is awesome, but I think their biggest thing is going to have to, you know, figure out how to keep their organic communities alive because they're there and they're thriving. You know, they're just getting, you know, outshined by um, paid advertising, unfortunately. What would you change about Instagram if you could? Uh, <laughs> I'd take off all those fake accounts. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Start there. 
Because um, yeah, just start deleting all the stuff that you know, robots and you know, fake accounts and yeah, that would be the first step. Okay. A lot of those, and I feel like it, you know, brings a distaste to the platform. I actually had someone ask me, um, I don't when I meet people in real life, you know, I don't, I don't want to show people what I do online. Um, but I had somebody find me online um, that I'd only known in real life. <laughs> And they go, they go up to me. They're like, wow, I saw your Instagram. You have a lot of followers. And I'm like, thanks. And they're like, did you buy them? And I'm just like, why is that the first question? Like I've spent my whole life developing a craft and finding a passion and finding a purpose. And the first thing you're going to ask me is if I bought it. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. But uh, no. <laughs> it just makes like we're going back to like not everything has to be about like you know, monetary value and, you know, this or that or status or, you know, like perceived status. It's like, yeah. <laughs> do, do you think social media in general and YouTube, I know that plays a big part to all the videos and people's documentaries, homemade ones. Do you, do you think all of that is changing the definition of high performance athleticism? Hmm. If YouTube and Instagram are changing the definition of it, yeah, or well, social media in general, because I know there's been a lot of crazy stunts out there, and I just wonder whether those people would have still done those stunts if it if YouTube didn't exist, if social media didn't exist in the same format, would mm. Ross Edgley still have tied a tree to his waist and swam from uh, Martinique to Saint Lucia multiple attempts, and then to swim around the UK? risking his life would, would, would these people have done that that's the question i see where you're coming out with that absolutely no i think and even going into kind of i know it's not the same with social media but like the crossfit games like if that wasn't as televised and if that wasn't in everybody's hands you know that quickly accessible i don't think those people would be pushing themselves um so i think the same thing applies like having that platform where people can see what you're doing so quickly um and then quickly developing like a following for it. Like you were, like we were saying in the beginning, like Instagram people are just trying to figure out like the newest, coolest workout to do. So it's pushing yeah. those athletes to go to those extreme heights to the next level, you know, exponentially harder and harder. Um, so yeah, I think it's just kind of, I guess, creating like a, a world of like, Oh wow. I just saw what so-and-so is able to do. You know, we have to figure out how to, you know, outdo him performance wise. Have you ever considered doing a stunt of some sort? Oh, oh no, absolutely not. No. <laughs> um, no, I can't even do a backflip. So stunts kind of terrify me. And also I come from more of a fitness background where like I've been hurt and I don't want to get hurt again. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like completely terrified of stunts, yeah. But even like a kind of attempt of, I don't know, a Guinness record of, I don't know, the most kettlebell swings or... The most no like, you know i know somebody that almost like died because they tried to do a record like that oh my god okay they legitimately they they gave themselves what is it called rhabdomyces is that what it is i don't know what that is but it sounds scary so yeah kids don't do that <laughs> <laughs> rhabdo let me see if i can look this up Amazing. yeah rhabdo i can't pronounce anything for my life rhabdomyosis or something like that but pretty much they call it rhabdo <laughs> But it's pretty much when your muscles start to, like, you're literally giving yourself so much muscle damage that your muscles start to, like, 
break apart and your muscle tissue yeah gets into your bloodstream and then your kidneys are trying to like filter out all this dead muscle tissue so yeah that happened to one of my dear friends um bless his soul but yeah i'm i'm like so terrified by guinness world records i probably wouldn't try to do anything how about this i think i would win at the guinness world record for uh most hours slept for sure okay yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) let's let's give that a go (laughs) Um, most hours slept got it i'll let eric stay up the whole night with his stopwatch (laughs) uh, he can can let us know how that goes my recovery numbers will be through the roof (laughs) yeah (laughs) jesus um so yeah interesting um no i definitely think there's a lot of progress to make on the social media side to make it more organic again while Mm -hmm. still retaining all that attention and influence yeah Yeah. forgive the pun there but um no i mean with these collaborations in general i mean there's a lot of brands out there like we talked the other day about asrv Mm-hmm. And, and they're sending really positive messages out there how important is it do you think that these brands are are allowed to get as big as they are through social media as a main channel hmm. i mean i think it's especially if they're doing it in a way that um is creating a real connection to the brand i think that's going to be essentially just a way of the future of brand development because if everyone really truly does feel connected to ASRV, they like their clothes, um, you know, they could even go a step further. I don't know much about ASRV, um, but if you're gonna create a, that much of a deeper relationship with your client, like even go further into transparency, like where is it being sourced from? You know, what do your factories look like? Um, yeah. I think that's gonna be the trend of the future for sure. Um, having that true transparency and you know, it's fine for the companies to get huge. I think if there's like, I think like anything, there has to be a checks and balance. And I think with Instagram, the check and balance, it has to be the people. Like we have to be the ones making sure, um, you know, that these brands are staying as authentic and transparent um, as they are. And that at the end of the day, it goes down to the consumer. Like if you're just falling for any marketing gimmick that's coming across, that is your responsibility to educate yourself, you know? Yeah. And always dive a little bit deeper. That's a super positive message. I think um, a lot of brands, hopefully a lot of them are listening to this and take notes because it's come directly from someone who can deliver that impact in person as well, i.e. yourself. Um, That is super interesting. Francesca, um, towards the end of these discussions, I always like to ask a few questions. Um, So, yeah, let's go with the first one. What's your biggest fear? My biggest fear, my biggest fear is dying and feeling like I wasted my life. Okay. That was deep, but yeah. No, no that was, yeah, that's a good one though. Um, and what would you say is your super strength? If I had to ask Eric, if I had to ask um, your mom, your younger brother, if I had to ask them, what would they say is Francesca's superpower, super strength? My intuition. Yeah, in terms of people or generally in business? with people people yeah yeah does that go for first impressions mainly or yeah and I think um my whole life journey is just realizing that I need to stop fighting my intuition because I feel like any conundrum I've ever gotten myself in it's just because I'm fighting my intuition I'm like no 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 that's not how things are gonna be and then my gut's like no you know (laughs) (laughs) 
what what would you say is the biggest myth surrounding social media influencers? Ooh, that they're all rich. <laughs> <laughs> Do people think that? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Wow, okay. Oh, so sad. Um, oh, I know my bank account's crying right now too. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> is this a good time to talk about the course? Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's go. No, um, so with the course in general what i mean are you going to release more courses how how niche and how narrow do you tend to plan in the um, like are you, yeah. so right now i'm actually doing um like a restructuring of everything okay. so i think for the first part of 2020 i really kind of just want to make sure that um you know my product is packaged in the best way that's digestible for people um, and then making sure that I can get that into the most hands that I can. And then after that, um, I'm really just kind of going to go back to my audience and go back to, you know, everyone that supported me and has gone through my products and kind of just get like a mass, um, like toll on like what everybody wants. So that's kind of how I product, I tailor my products. So, um, I try to really just get like the, the, the voice of the people, um, and kind of see what everybody wants and then tailor it based on that. Cause if it were up to me, I would have a million products that no one would do cause they would be too hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. They'd be like, actually, I only got through like a day of this because this is just way too hard for me. Um, so that's why I usually have to end up scaling my stuff down just a little bit. Um, just because I, I have so much passion for what I do that I always want it to be like better badder and you know like yeah more encompassing but sometimes i just give too much you know like if i give you a crazy program that has all these details you know a lot of times it's just so much like nobody has enough time to go through everything um in the way that it's intended to you know so i think sometimes just like kind of checking in with everybody and being like hey you know do you want mobility and flow and they're like yes or no or you know like beginner you know kind of just getting an idea of like how they want um everything in that time and space yeah i'm seeing a lot of parallels between the way you move the way you train the, the way you think like all of it's surrounded about um sorry surrounding connectivity how well connected you are to certain things so by training barefoot you feel more connected to your movements and the earth Absolutely. and feedback when it comes to business you feel being as close to the consumer and asking their feedback again that's being connected to them in order to deliver more value in your products. Mm -hmm. um, do you think to some extent, a lot of people, a lot of companies are being, are becoming more disconnected? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm actually reading this one book um, right now. That's like really pulling in like just the philosophy that I've built over time with, you know, business and health and wellness and balance. And this guy is just like, it's like he's speaking to the choir i'm like wow like where have you been my whole life like this is beautiful um because his whole thing is like really in the future like we're so interconnected now that if you want to be a business that's on the forefront you have to be able to be just as interconnected as everyone else like if we're taking our sweet time to make decisions you're going to lose opportunity and you're going to lose you know like your moment in the spotlight like whatever that be and they actually used a very awesome example in this book. And it just shows how being connected and being present um, is going to be like a driving force. So they were talking about how in the Super Bowl, I think it was like the 2015 Super Bowl or something. I don't remember. So but I remember the ad. 
Oh, the book is uh, Capital, or sorry, Company of One. Company of One, okay. Yeah, by Paul okay. Jarvis. Yeah. And then, um, so they reference the Super Bowl and how when the lights went out, I think they had like a blackout in the Super Bowl. And literally like a minute later, Oreo put out an ad that was like, um, I don't know what the ad said, but something about blacking out. Or, oh, it said you can still dunk Oreos in the dark. I think that's what it was. <laughs> Okay. Super cliche, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they put out, um, you know, like a super quick, like little blurb on uh, Twitter and it went viral, but it was just the timing. Like all of it is really the timing. Like if you want to stay present and connected and that's just like a little thing of humor. Like I'm sure people that eat Oreos have a good sense of humor too, because they don't care that much about their health. No, I'm kidding. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's all about being connected and present and, um, you know, staying with the times. Um, and especially just going back to how I think about my products, um, I really had that realization and that epiphany a year ago when I was thinking about what I was going to create. And I realized that I had such a plethora and, you know, this is um, something I'm obviously grateful for, but I had such a plethora of knowledge. I didn't know where to start. I was like, I don't know, you know, how to pull everything down into a digestible bit. So I thought, um, you know, let me survey my audience, see what everybody wants. Um, and everybody really just wanted to learn the basics for what I was doing. Mm. They wanted to learn how to like break everything down, learn the proper technique. And then me as a coach, of course, that's where I would love everyone to start. So um, I think we both, you know, the audience and I agreed on that perspective of like, yeah, I think that would be a perfect start. Um, you know, but if they would have asked me for a strength building program, I, you know, would have created a strength building program, um, you know, whichever way it would have gone. And hypothetically, if they asked for a program that you felt wasn't in your lane, would you outsource it? Would you collaborate with someone? How would you deal with that? Request? Yeah, I think collaboration would be beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to what extent do you think some of the people you've collaborated with are also your competitors in terms of the same people might follow all of you guys, but only buy one of your courses? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But I think... I don't even like to use the word competitor really in my own mindset because it okay. gives me like a sense of like scarcity. Okay. Um, but really like, you know, um, for sure they're competitors. Um, but I think in the midst of building this community, I think all of us realize that we're really collaborating even on our business ventures because I've had people reach out to me. Um, like one of my friends, Venus Lau. Venus Lau is a phenomenal mover. Um, her Instagram is Venus to be fab. Um, but she does very similar stuff to I do. Our stuff is definitely different, but if someone really didn't have a, like a keen eye for what, how, or like how our businesses are different, yeah. someone would probably assume that we just did the same exact thing. Um, but I've had people reach out to me and tell me that, you know, they have bought my course or that, you know, that they have bought my course and her course. Um, so if you really look at it down to the numbers, like we're really helping each other. Because yeah. when she posts one of my videos and I post one of hers, like we're just sharing, you know, each other's to each other's audience. Um, yeah, that's how I like to think of it, really. Yeah, because for me, it would have been, you know, that, that was the biggest question. Is there scarcity, basically? Is, is it, are you pricing it so that you know that they can buy yours and theirs? Or, I mean, is that something you kind of, I don't want to use the word collude because it implies that you're, mm -hmm. you know, preventing others from entering and et cetera. But do you almost agree in beforehand, like, oh, let's price it this way so all of our community can try a bit of everyone's? Or how does that conversation? No, I haven't had any convos like that with any oh. of my, um, you know, teammates or anybody that I collaborate with. But I think in general, like, um, 
you know, like seeing how the environment and the climate is online, you know, there's like a golden number, um, yes. just depending. And I think the biggest thing too is kind of just seeing what kind of programs people are building, because once you really take a deeper dive, like everyone's programs are so different. You know, some people do it where, you know, they're training people from November to January, and then there's like only a set number of people, you know? So obviously that that could be like a higher price since you have like a set number um, of clients that you can take on. But I know a lot of the online courses where it's just a program that you take, there's an, an unlimited amount of sales that could ever happen. So I think, especially with that mindset of that this is a lifetime product, I think being able to make it a more affordable price is beneficial to everyone, like yeah. truly to everyone. And that's something, yeah. that's one of my core values that I always had as a kid, just growing up, you know, like in a working class family, having humble beginnings. Like I always try to stick to my humble roots because I have true core beliefs in my humble roots. Um, and um, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things too, is just making sure that everybody like if my ship show yeah if my ship sails <laughs> yeah. i want all other ships to sail mm. um that's kind of how i set my mindset so if that you know somebody let's say somebody random that lives in zimbabwe wants to yeah. buy my product i still want to make it so that just because you know our exchange rates are different i still want that person in zimbabwe to be able to afford my product and it not be you know an insane amount relative yeah their amount of money because mm -hmm. no. I remember going back to visit Colombia um, a US dollar especially like back in like 2001 you'd go to Colombia and you know you'd go with a US dollar and you could do so much with a US dollar and then I remember asking them like what was the equivalent of like you know if I went to go buy a soda like what would that be and it was like insane you know like it just doesn't didn't make sense <laughs> yeah yeah I've lived in Mexico, so I can definitely relate to that. Mm -hmm. Certain things you just think, how do they survive? Like this, this meal costs yeah. dollars. How, how are they going to live off that? And like, I for sure agree with a lot of, you know, people that I've talked to um, that are in marketing and sales that they're like, oh, you just really need to see the value of what you do and put it higher, 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 higher. And I'm like, yes, I agree with that too. I'm sure, you know, um, that's a great model as well. But I'm like, I have a different core value though. I want to, reach and impact as many people as I can you know not only the most like elite and privileged people no, that's super powerful I know we've spoken before about this and I can you know tell that this is all genuine and this is something that you do in your practice and I've, I've seen some of your posts and I read your articles um this is definitely a reoccurring topic and and hopefully a lot of people follow suits you know they they lead so you're, you're leading by example and they follow so yeah it's very positive yeah yeah um so going back to those questions i just want to know um with, with the intuition side of things has um has that come from learning from someone is, is when you have that intuition about people do you get that from your mom do you get that from i don't know someone you grew up with um i'd say i for sure probably got it from my mom because yeah. um just growing up my mom always helped me develop a really good like personal spiritual practice okay. um and i think in that spiritual practice i became a lot more in tune with who i was as a person and like all like and as a person i mean like all the faces you know your good side your bad side your crazy side like everything um and 
I think I got really in tune to how I differently I felt um, in all of those states. So I think really like just intuition is trying to, it's really just getting a feeling for how someone else is feeling, you know, like getting a sense to how someone else is feeling in that moment. And that tells you so much. Yeah. That speaks volumes. Connectivity. Yeah. I agree. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, like if I'm feeling anxious in, you know, a certain situation, um, other people, you know, there's so many like bio cues and, you know, uh, uh, micro expressions and body language. Um, there's so much, so many telling things that a lot of us uh, don't pay attention to. And I think a lot of times too, it's not even you paying attention to it. It's you being willing to like give your body, like give the trust to your body that your body is like a two billion old machine that is like supposed to like read all of these signals you know i think we get so caught up in modern day life that we don't let ourselves just be freaking human you know yeah no that's super <laughs> powerful but the, you know that especially that term bio cues and the time that we've been around being able to tap into those resources that we have inside ourselves to detect those bio cues i think that's super important and not enough people understand themselves enough to be able to do that yet mm-hmm. I like to use that word yet yet i love that yet yeah because we all have the potential to you just gotta invest the time and like like anything you gotta believe that like you are you know mm. able to see everything um because we are like if i'm feeling if i'm feeling horrible all of my close friends know that day and it's just because they know how i am you know it's mm. easier you know oh it's always easier when it's someone that you know but i think um it's beautiful when you can like see stranger to stranger and um, get that intuition and see how a stranger is feeling that day too. Yeah. And then taking that, that we just said the stranger part and you know, your intuition, have you come across anyone yet that you'd say is kind of a younger version of yourself? Hmm. A younger version, my little brother, for yeah. sure. Yeah. He's 12 years old and he's absolutely beautiful. Um, but yeah, he's very, he's like very sensitive, very intuitive person. And the only thing holding him back is like himself. And mm. I see it. And I've been there and I've felt that, you know, I've been the person holding myself back and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but he's 12. So, you he's know, 12, he's right yeah. where he needs to be. Um, and it's perfect. It's beautiful. And generally, I mean, if it wasn't your brother, if it was someone in the gym, like maybe, uh, you know, the, the 16 or 18 year old Francesca coming in, super determined. Uh, I don't know anybody. Doesn't want to do that person. office job, you know. <laughs> have you ever come across that person? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to so the Francescas out there listening, you know, thinking, oh, you know, what would your advice be to them? If you had to give them one piece. My advice is invest in yourself. The best investment you could ever make is in yourself. And, um, you know, there's only so much finite time that we have, you know, so set your priorities straight, stop making excuses for yourself and, you know, tell yourself the hard truths you need to hurt like here so that you can uh, be the best version of yourself, you know, make the most that you can with your time, invest in yourself and um, just dive deep into yourself. That's everything. And like the more you dive deeper into yourself, the better you can connect with other people. Like it's, that's just the truth. That's super powerful. Mm-hmm. Have you, uh, aside from fitness coaching, have you ever considered mentorship schemes, something to help I mean, kids get more? I haven't and become thought about it. Themselves? 
yet but I feel like I'm gonna probably end up there (laughs) no it's it's super powerful I think coming from someone who's been there done it that you know it's credible people respect that it it could elevate someone else's life and I think it goes you know all of it goes back to you know there's there's not enough time like even with you know my personals that we do fitness there's so much other stuff that can impact their fitness you know they want to get better in fitness but improving that mental game improving their sense of self-worth improving their self-love you know improving their habits like all of that goes together and you know like you said like it's the only way to get better you know we just gotta be well-rounded yeah Mm -hmm. I think hopefully next year we'll start working on a type of mentorship program so maybe if you're ready we can do something together on a little panel around the 2020 is gonna be a good one it is a big year isn't it yeah yeah Francesca I want to I want to go through some words uh word associations uh so I've chosen a few words that I think have been quite relevant to this discussion and so yeah just take a deep breath empty your mind I'm gonna (sighs) go through each word and then I want you to say the first word it could be more than one word that comes to your mind. Ooh, you're making me nervous. <laughs> okay. Oh, I haven't even started the drum roll, drum roll yet. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So, health. Wellness. Fun. Clay. Movement. Monkey. Connection. Friendship. Education hands-on cool it's interesting yeah i passed uh, i passed yeah yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) i was worried that for fun you were going to say movement but (laughs) almost did yeah so yeah talk to us a bit about your plans now going forward like into 2020 enlighten us Um, so for 2020, I really just, I want to feel like everything is, um, like in order and that, um, everything's set in stone as far as what I have now on my website and my current products and the structure of my website and design. So like all the itty gritty things. Um, and then after that, we're going to be traveling a lot. So probably going into February, we're probably going to have a workshop every month. And then we're supposed to be going to Europe for the first time. So I think in, I think May, um, in May, we're actually going to go to London wow. and it's tentative right now, but I think we're going to do London, Paris. What is it? Um, Holland and Berlin. I think, I think we're going to do that course. Um, yeah. And Eric wants to go do an Australia tour, but that's like too far at the end of the year to even see if that's like plausible or not. Um, we have so much. I'm like, is everything even gonna fit in 2020? Yeah. <laughs> there might be some overload. You gotta make sure you say uh, hello to us when you come to London. Yes. Yeah. Come train with us. Definitely get my quads and like, yeah, fucking my whole body destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> Entire body. Yeah. No, I have to get ready for that. It's like training for a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> um no the weather should be good at least no i think that'd be an amazing trip well especially the london and paris combo back to back i think that's a really good itinerary yeah i mean i 
figured on the first Euro trip, like we couldn't miss either of those cities. So <laughs> knock yeah, them out back to back. Definitely. And the weather should be, like I said, quite decent moving into summer. May is normally quite stable. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it'll go smooth. No, we're super excited to see your progress, actually. I mean, we've been following you for a while. As I mentioned, Staz, you had to be somewhere. He um, works in the hospital quite late. He bought Eric's program. He loved it. Kettlebell training something that I've incorporated into my daily routine quite a lot. Um, and a lot of your animal flow movements have helped me, you know, regain core strength and stability in my movements, which I think I feel a lot better for. And yeah, I look forward to seeing what kind of content and collaborations you come up with in the future. So yeah, keep sending out the positive messages out there. Keep training hard. Um, yeah, keep up the retreats and all those amazing trips you're doing. I saw the... Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> you want to talk a little about those before we wrap up? Yeah, so I'm actually hosting a retreat in June. I think it's... No, I'm lying. It is May. It will be May 9th to May 16th, and it's going to be hosted with um, Eric Leha as well. So we're just going to go to Costa Rica for an entire freaking week, and it's, it should be pretty awesome. Do you both speak Spanish? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because the Spanish over there is a bit different, so I wasn't sure if you've... Uh... That's what's hard about Latin America, man. You go to Mexico, and then you go to Cuba, and you're like, they're speaking two different languages. You're like, whoever said this is both Spanish is lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah one of them's lying right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's the mix-up in our house eric's mexican and i'm and i'd say i'm more cuban than colombian for sure um just based on how i was raised um but <laughs> it's like you have a cuban and a mexican yelling at each other being like that's not how you say this and yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah i mean having lived in mexico i'm gonna have to take eric's side i'm sorry <laughs> um <laughs> Well, no, I mean, definitely with Costa Rica, the weird thing for me was that the way they say the R's, they don't roll the R's like they do typically. And it, oh, it almost so makes weird. them sound a bit foreign, like coming, I don't know. I was, I was a bit <laughs> weirded out by it. So. <clears throat> I feel like it sounds like they almost have a lisp or something. Like not yeah, like the Spaniards, but just something off, you know, with your ear. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you get these, um, you, you go on the Pacific coast as well. The surfing there is amazing. Ooh. amazing waves okay well yeah, we definitely look forward to seeing the the retreats because uh i think that could be the first of many right yeah it should definitely be the first of many um i think the next one that we do will probably be maybe more like um like a tropical island or something the way sorry the next one will probably be more of a tropical island where are tropical we thinking island. about the next one <laughs> we're like Sweet. bali where are we going I think this is also something that people should pay attention to. Make sure you pipeline, plan in advance, etc. Yes, plan all of it. Yeah, well, we definitely look forward to a round two in 2020, uh, maybe leading up to your trip to Europe. And um, yeah, maybe we can do a little collab when you come to London. I love it. Let's make it happen. Thank cool. you so much for having me on. No worries, Francesca. Have a good one. Say hi to Eric and the rest of the team at Onnit. Um, Hopefully connect with some of them soon as well. Get more content out there, more more tools for our guests to pick up on. And yeah. Action. Yeah, and one day you'll have to come out to Texas and check definitely, it out. Definitely. See what yeah, it's all about. Yeah, we've got a big plan for a road trip around the States one day. So hopefully 2020 is the year. Ooh, let's make it happen.
Hope you have a great night. Thanks, thanks. Have a good one. You too. Thanks, bye. Thank you.